Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Should we talk about tin fish? Or does the podcast have to be about news things? We've been talking about it all morning. Um... No, boring. There has been a test. They've been testing the, the caffeine. Oh, you've got it there. The amount of caffeine in high street coffees. Yeah. And uh, headline in the Daily Mail today, which is a Wednesday, page three. So how much caffeine is in your favourite high street cup by Sean Poulter? Morning, Sean. Those looking for a pick-me-up in their morning coffee may not be getting the oomph they expected. It has emerged. I'm sorry, I am not very good at reading God, you're that. so bad at me. You <laughs> bored the piss out of me already on but that story. Can I just tell you, what the story's yeah, about? Yeah, you There's been me. a te- there's been, They've been testing. Someone's decided, for the sake of getting a story, it's presumably some coffee company, have decided to test the amount of caffeine in high street coffees, and they discovered that, what, Costa has the highest amount of caffeine? Now, let's have a look at this. Don't slow it all down. Let's get some fucking energy in here. You don't drink coffee. You don't even know. This is pathetic. Really so how much it. caffeine is in your favourite high street cup? Those looking for a pick-me-up in their morning coffee may not be getting the oomph they expected. It has emerged. Some high street chains are serving cappuccinos so high in caffeine that they might pose a risk to pregnant women and their unborn babies. I, of course, have had two cups of coffee and you've had none. I've had no you cups see. of coffee. Risk to women and their unborn babies. Researchers found dramatic different caffeine levels in the drink served by Britain's biggest high street chains. At its best, a dose of caffeine boosts alertness, elevates the mood and can improve performance for those physical jobs. However, too much can have negative consequences. The NHS, which should be spending more time hiring nurses, recommends that pregnant women drink less than 200 milligrams of caffeine a day. What's okay. that equivalent to? How do you measure it? Yeah, how do you measure how it? How do you measure yeah. the, the, the milligrams of, of caffeine? caffeine. Yeah. You're pregnant. Yeah, You're exactly. tired. Yeah. You're not allowed anything. I'm allowed yeah. a cup of coffee. How do you measure? Would you, what do you expect pregnant women to do? Boil the caffeine, boil their cup of coffee down to a powder and then weigh. Mm. The ca- anyway. Uh, a study by which found startling caffeine differences, okay? So the consumer champion looked at the caffeine content of blah, blah, blah. Experts found Costa offers the strongest cappuccino with 325 milligrams of caffeine, five times as much as the 66 milligrams in Starbucks. Greg's offered the second highest of the cappuccino. So it's hard to tell. If you're going out to buy a coffee, mm-hmm. theoretically, you'd want the most caffeine. It's like labelling calories in things, and it's meant to be low. But historically, through through 
human life, when you go hunting and foraging for food, farming for food or buying food, you're trying to buy the most calories, aren't you? The idea that we've got to a place where you have to buy things with fewer calories so you don't get fat, weird. Oh, but, 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 but. It's, it's interesting that Starbucks has the lowest calorie, uh, sorry, has the lowest caffeine content because Starbucks is American and Americans famously love very weak sort of shitty coffee, don't they? I was at Sam's football yesterday and yeah. two of the dads are American. Uh, and I overheard, because obviously we don't stand anywhere near them. Uh, we all stand, the English dads and a couple of Italians, uh, one side, and the Americans stand. And their kids are both very good. But they, I heard them... Actual Americans, that's quite American. Actual Americans. And their kids are really, really good at football. Oh, and then they're lovely, they're lovely guys, soccer. They're, re- no, they're lovely guys. But no, I heard them having a conversation saying, um, so uh, have you got real coffee yet? Because they've just arrived in America. Yeah, we got a drip machine only yesterday. Oh my God, you've got to come around and get some Java. They've got they, they, <laughs> a drip machine, okay, which, which doesn't exist here anymore. It's a, the 70s thing, like a Kona, the thing with a filter. Yeah, it right. makes coffee paler than my first piss of the morning. It drip, 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 it goes in. You put, it's just, it's that, with that, it just tastes of filter paper. That's what Americans drink. But anyway, so you're quite right. Costa is what? Is Costa not American? That's a really good question. We don't know. It, it probably is too. sounds Spanish, doesn't it? But who knows? <laughs> They've really sold that one to you. They're delicious. Yeah. Of they're coffee. Yeah. Uh, so anyway. And look, then Greg's. The point is, is that people go and drink their coffee. And- Greg's keeping builders going. All right, Greg's. Oh, yes. So the Greg's actually comes out of the machine with six sugars. and uh, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Big coffee, six sugars, eight sausage rolls. Eight, eight vegan sausage rolls. Jobs are mighty fine one. Precisely. Um, so, uh, and, but, and also, and like Pret coffee, I know people like it, but it's, that's low down as well. Mm-hmm. It's, it's coffee as an afterthought, not good. All that, all that coffee is, is horse piss anyway. It's all undrinkable. It's all, it's all sort of... It's all disgusting and making everybody fat and it should be banned. Grainy and burnt and, and, and horrible. And I don't, but and the point about the yeah. thing is, is that they're, so, but they're, they're measuring the amount of caffeine. And really, these people who are going, who are going to buy coffee from these coffee shops, uh, in theory, they are feeding a caffeine addiction, of which they're quite proud. Oh, I just need my coffee, just need my mm. coffee. You think they would go to the one with the highest amount of caffeine, wouldn't they? Presumably it's a good thing if it's, if it's high in caffeine. Uh, yeah, but what's your column there? Your column is that high street coffee is all disgusting and should be banned. My, it's, it, you're not addicted to caffeine, you're just a twat, is my sort of... Uh, <laughs> no, you're not addicted. Well, I mean... Because no, they know, all think they are. They all go, oh, I've got to get my coffee, I've got to get my java. But exactly. it's like... It's a, it's a, I'm an animal before my first cup of coffee. Exactly. Whatever, exactly. It's, it's a, which is, but first coffee. It's, that it's, it's, yeah. That's the thing that was Garfield who was always an animal till he had his coffee, Yeah, but he? He, he was doing it in 1981. Exactly, as a joke. And he's still doing it in 2023. But it's a false addiction, isn't it? Is it? I don't know. No, it's not. I mean, people do. I mean, this week I was writing a piece about treats and about treat culture. And for it, I interviewed our friend Henry Dunn because he's also the author of the National Food Strategy. And he's very interesting about these sorts of things. And he was talking about repeat behaviours, addictions. He was talking about smoking addiction. He was talking about, you know, sugar addiction, all of that kind of thing. And he was he was talking about how you can create an addiction, a need within yourself, which will heighten the pleasure of the thing right so if you are not addicted to cigarettes or alcohol or weight sugar or caffeine and you have that thing it's okay and perfectly nice if you have created an addiction within yourself the thing is not only a nice thing it is also sating an addictive need within yourself which makes it 
extra nice. Yes, and that is a very interesting point. It leads into the thing that I tend to, that I think about coffee generally, which is it's a fake addiction. It's it's addiction glamour. It's addiction light. Mm. So there was obviously heroin chic with the models, and it was never really chic to be on smack. But if it was, if you were kind of Amy Winehouse, that sort of thin, emaciated, oh man, you're kind of opting out of society. You have so little. Oh, I just need a fag and a line. I need a line of coke, man, and shoot up some skag. But they it's, were it's always, like, it's sort of, they were always out. like that at school. They were pathetic. Yes. Oh, so there were people. I mean, not with the skag, but no, with, they the were the skag. There was a boy. I, there was a boy I really, really liked. And he was a lovely guy. He was a proper goth with a hardness coat. And he's, he's now, he's now like went evangelical <laughs> a Christian. What coat? A hardness coat. What the fuck is so that? you didn't have a hardness that coat. That's so eighties. It's an eighties thing. <laughs> The, the great Adam Buxton with the world's most successful podcast. Adam's always been very funny about hardness. He <laughs> one one year in 1984, he came back from the summer holidays and, he, and he's and he'd bought a hardness coat and he was quite shameful about hardness coats. Madness would wear your start. That's what Matt, Suggs was always wearing. One. It's a sort of knee length herringbone coat. Uh, oh, like a Peaky Blinders coat. Sort of. Yeah, it was it, not a leather. Blazer. No, 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 no. Right. It's the coat, but it, and we just called it a hardness coat. And okay. Madness would wear them with an 18-hole DM, yeah. drainpipe trousers, uh, white T-shirt, you know, pork pie hat, and yeah. then a coat open. It's just a hardness coat. It's not... What? It's, no, it's just... A, well, yeah, it, well, yeah, it's not... It's, it's, it's more North, North London than that. It's like, it's just... It's a hardness coat. You don't mess with something. You don't fuck with someone in a hardness coat. And it's like, it's not just to keep you warm. It's like, you keep your fags in one pocket, your backy, your right, you keep your riz in the other side. But Suggs, Suggs, has always got, Suggs has always got a rolled up newspaper in his pocket. Oh, Suggs, Suggs now. Suggs has got a sort of Big Mac in one pocket and his, his harmonica. <laughs> I do love Suggs. He lives around here. I love Suggs. But, yeah, but, no, and that, but he's the inventor and perpetuator of that North London style, which is a hardness okay. coat. Anyway, so there was this thing where you were... The process of cold turkey withdrawal symptoms mm-hmm. all seemed to be quite good. That's what rock stars did. They were in withdrawal from heroin and... Uh, and and uh, sort of sexier drugs like that, um, but that you could create that thing with fags and, and booze and the delirium tremens of alcoholism, uh-huh. which did continue to have a kind of chic. With coffee, it's the lowest version. It's like the the office want the lower middle class commuter office belt person. Don't talk to me until I'm uh, my coffee. Yeah, and then they yeah. go, and then they've got to get their coffee because they've got to because they've got to try and inhabit this space of victimhood right. and addiction. I don't think it's a victim thing. I don't think it's a victim thing. Okay, I think maybe. it's. I think it's the. I think it's. Uh, uh, I think it's the bourgeois just trying to have an edge. Although someone sent me a quote from Flaubert this morning. Did you say Flaubert? I did Flaubert. That's how you're going to go with the Flaubert pronunciation. How am I supposed to say Flaubert? Flaubert. Gustave Flaubert. You want me to say Flaubert? I I do. Flaubert. Yeah. That philosopher, Flaubert. He's a novelist. Oh, he's a novelist. You thought he was a philosopher. Remind me when you did your English degree again. Oh. (laughs) Do you know what Flaubert wrote? Madame Bovary. Yeah, was that a philosophy? I'm sorry, I mustn't be too patronising. No, I must. I mean, (laughs) it's not a philosophy thing, is it? Madame Bovary, which you've read, of course. Anyway, shut up. Someone sent me a very good quote from this morning. Oh, French flag who does arsenic and dies, is the summary. Someone sent me a quote from Flaubert that said... You must be bourgeois in all aspects of your life and save your violence for your art. <laughs> Which I, I thought was really good. I thought because was... I am the most bourgeois person in the world and occasionally feel a little bit guilty and lame because of it. But now Flaubert has given me total license to be entirely bourgeois and save my violence for my art. That's I'm I'm gonna do I'm gonna go at it with renewed that confidence. That is fucking cool, actually, because he's he Flaubert is what, 1870s, you're the expert, 1870s, 1880s, oh, I think. Fuck uh, you, <laughs> fuck 
Fuck you. So I think, um, and I think Flaubert was... One, one of the things with him was that uh, he was. He was famously well-dressed in suits and all that kind of thing. And that is the early bohemians before the modernists who went, went really sort of wah-wah. But if you think... Another great example of that is T.S. Eliot. You know, the right, famously right. looks like a bank manager, bank, writes like a bank. fucking mentalist. Right, yeah. Uh, you know, the, the explode the English language on the... Ba- bit yeah. like me, except I just write like a buttoned-up twat as well. I've, uh, the, I've become the other way around. I sort of dress like a wanker and do drugs and stuff and then write terribly formal, boring prose. You don't do drugs anymore, do you? Not they? anymore, no. No, because, I mean, here it is. Here it is. Here is the bourgeois pretending I'm to be... I'm trying to make myself sound exciting. The point about the... Exactly, exactly. Yeah. So, and that's the thing, the coffee cycle. Other people will talk about there is a coffee booze cycle and you think you don't yeah. drink that much. People, you don't, you know how much you drink, but Western people, you've had, you've drunk no every night knows. this no. week and I haven't. Don't booze shame me. Yeah. Have you been sleeping well, darling? That's unrelated. Really? No, I fucking haven't. Oh, you're unrelated. finishing the bottle of wine. I'll see you at <laughs> three in the morning complaining that your husband who doesn't snore is snoring because you he need did, an excuse. He snore so no, loudly. No, blame it on me. Blame it on the foxes. But little Mr. Really... Wine has certainly got more to do with it than anything else. Anyway, but what happens is there is a cycle where you drink. Obviously, you drink, you sleep slightly less well. You just do, whether you wake up or you don't. One glass of wine, it keeps your body temperature up. You don't sleep yeah. quite well. You wake up. I mean, you don't drink coffee. Uh, and then coffee, and you're sorted. Why does everyone need a coffee to do anything? It's pathetic. And it's not coffee. It's Although you have made well, this point before. Well, no, this giant is... cups of milk. Well, milk. They go, oh, hot I, milk. I really need a coffee. I really, I really need a coffee. Coffee, just like Johnny, just like Sid Vicious needed his yeah, smack. Yeah, exactly. coffee. Yeah. And then an, they go and order. They go and order artist. what is basically a fucking oval team. It is. It's not. Yeah. It's not an actual coffee. It's not an actual. And and, and yeah. And and, and there's big sloppy drinks. The other day, I, I went for a walk in the park, and everyone's got a dog. On a Sunday morning, a everyone's got a dog and a big milky coffee. People don't. I mean, okay, fine. The dogs is a separate thing. Take your dog for a walk. That's fine. Mm. Um, but. Uh, why do people walk, go to Hampstead Heath and walk around the lake and up the hill holding a coffee? You can't really walk properly. Yeah. You're just holding this thing. You have to stop to drink or you burn your mouth or pour mm-hmm. it down your front. Uh, but that is, people think you buy, buy a coffee and take it for a walk. And also, actual coffee nations like, well, I don't know, Italy and France and, I don't know... Brazil. Br- Brazil or, you know, places where coffee is kind of, you know, like a more of a way of life than... Although, I mean, we've had coffee here for a long time, but they, they sort of do it in a slightly more sophisticated way. I don't think they buy a giant frothy thing and take it for a walk, do they? No, I don't, I don't, think, I don't think an Italian... Would would take his coffee for a walk. No, I mean, I mean even, they don't take even dogs for walks either. They have tiny. The, here we go. That's what happens. The French, the Italians, yeah. they have teeny wee little dogs, dogs that never leave the apartment, and little strong espressos that they drink at the counter. We have giant fluffy dogs that we have to take for walks, yeah. and giant fluffy coffees that we have to take for walks. Yes, because we're just looking for things to take for walks. We think, and also we 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 believe too much that our homes really are our castles, but our homes are actually very rickety, narrow townhouses, and you can't have a giant dog or a giant coffee. But I mean, even Sam. I took. I was. I was. I picked up Sam up because um, he was doing. Because he was in some concert, and we went to a cafe to wait until they had to go back and sort of tune up his drums or whatever it was. And I said, "So we're going to have our musical. We are. Yeah. <laughs> uh, just Sam's going to be at the concert. Just got to tune his drums. Gee, <laughs> bang! Get out the tuning fork. We've got to get some blind guy around to tune the drum kit. <laughs> That's not a middle C. Sorry, poor old Sam. They all did the, 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 the school concert. I held it together until the oboes. (laughs) All these terribly serious little boys going. (laughs) It was so sweet. It was.
cheeks are sort of puffed out, like, and they, and every so often, one of them would go, <laughs> <laughs> Well, because it didn't really... And I was there, and the lights were really bright, so everyone could see the parents, and I was laughing, and I was holding my hands over my face, and I was laughing so hard, I was shaking my ropes. It was terribly, terribly funny. I, mean, I went to Sam in the in the school outstanding <laughs> musician competition, and it was like going into a room full of people killing cats. Yeah. And these were like I was wondering where the slightly less outstanding musicians were. And I think not, I think they're all very, very good. You go on a Friday morning when they're playing the violins. Oh my god, that's so <laughs> funny! I can't do that. <laughs> <laughs> No, but the they are brilliant. They look, play the, the violin and the oboe. They're incredibly difficult. No, the they're, point, they're, br- they're very, very good boys. No, they but are this very is the good. Point. No, they are. This is the point about our wonderful school, where <laughs> they cater, provide music for everybody. And in any year, and they're very proud that everybody gets to grade ten in eleven different years. But yeah. in any year of one hundred and fifty boys, two might be gifted. Right. Ten will be competent, and the rest do it anyway. The rest is just it's a bit the same. It's the same yeah. as the sports. I go to watch. Uh, I mean, it's like, you know, I go to watch Sam playing cricket and there's 140 boys. Sam's in the first team and they're all playing cricket and it looks a bit like cricket. Down in the ninth 11, they've all got pristine kit and they're playing on a beat and they don't know which way to run. They're just, they're like, they're like pigs scattering before a, 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 a yeah. collie. Yeah, they're just playing, they're playing it with ball. Mm. Uh, same thing with the music. It's, uh, it's very sweet. Um, I was going to make some stupid point about Sam with coffee, but it's boring. So no, it's make the, it. No, it was dull. It was about how even Sam, age nine, knows that, I said, I said, we were in this cafe waiting to go into the, to the to the to the school concert, and I said, "What are you going to have, Sam? Do you want to? You know, you're going to have a okay, a cappuccino, a baby chino? You're going to have a hot chocolate? And he went, uh, no, no frothy drinks after midday, Mum." Did he say that? Yeah. Oh my boy, that's like when I said to him, oh, no, it wasn't even me. Someone at school, the, the the headmaster said, "Sam, so you're looking forward to the the T20?" And he just went, "That's pajama cricket, sir. I don't <laughs> watch that. It's not proper cricket. They play cross bat shots." The idea that he set he set his stall against sort of T20 cricket frothy drinks no doubt the guardian yeah. the dogs uh, <laughs> non-organic state uh, no frothy milk after midday mum no that's bloody oh, like, fine yeah. fine fine yeah quite right there'll be more from Esther and me in our kitchen after a short interlude but to find out what I wrote about in the end why not pick up a subscription to the times and the sunday times and enjoy one month absolutely free just search the times.co.uk forward slash giles corran has no idea I've been promised that this will take you to an amazing offer, rather than just a website created by Ben randomly containing all my broadcasting mistakes. Although I'm sure that exists somewhere, it's just going to be up to you to find it. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. 
Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. I really want to know about your John Lewis dragon story, which you've been teasing me with since 8.30 a.m. Are you not got the energy for it now? Yes, I have, I have, I have. Okay. Um... It, it basically is a, is a thing that's annoyed me in the paper. Okay, go on then. Um, and I guess it comes from the place where... Sorry, I just licked my finger for no apparent reason and there was something very salty on it. Um, yeah, John Lewis ad copied my dragon, says author. It comes from a place where I'm annoyed by everyone suing everyone. Right. You know you have it in the music industry where yeah, they go... All the time, it's just copied every, my so, And they find a song from nine years yeah. ago and he said, yeah, he used to... He used, uh, they used two guitars uh, and a drum kit. So right, that, that's right, basically right. No, I covered, I, 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 not I covered, but I wrote at length about an Ed Sheeran court case. And it was just pathetic. And they, and they do it because the singer will just settle. But this, but Ed, Ed Sheeran was sued once yeah. and, he, and he settled. And then he was sued again, and he was like, "I've got to take this to court because if I don't, I'm just going to. Ha- it's just going to well, be." Well, I, I exactly. Yeah. I want to bring this story to the attention of John Lewis's lawyers. Mm-hmm. I'm no particular. I mean, you're a massive John Lewis kind of John Lewis till I die slave, aren't yeah, you? Like very literally John Lewis. tattooed in there. Yep. But, but uh, and I'm not that fussed. But uh, in this case, even though um, everything you own, jousting began in the High Court. Writes someone who likes a, a medieval method. No, who is it by? Uh, Jonathan Ames. Uh, this week legal editor, in the Times uh, jousting began in the High Court this week over a couple of dragons after the author of a children's book claimed that John Lewis had stolen her fire sneezing creation for its Christmas TV commercial now I think once I think someone has successfully has successfully sued the John Lewis ad people haven't they someone there this was a, someone bell, did an yeah. acapella version well not, not this story someone did an acapella version of a song that was a version of a song or something that and was someone, the one when someone was living on the moon I think. Ah, whatever it was they're all these fucking ads anyway listen a writer called Faye Evans, who I'm sure is marvellous, has said that the alleged similarities between her dragon, Fred the Fire Sneezer, yeah. and excitable Edgar, who yeah. featured in the 2019 Christmas advertising campaign for John, she's been simmering over this for three years, uh, without evidence of copying. The, the author said that the ad bears a striking similarity mm. to her. I mean, uh, Fred the Fire Sneezer, published in 2017, appearing for Evans, Kendall Watkinson, told the court, the dragons in issue are lone dragons integrated into human society, but they irritate the humans due to their uncontrollable fiery emissions. Yeah. Okay. As does every dragon in every story ever written for children. Um, Her story is about... uh, uh, John Lewis is one that the, the, the dragon sneezes and out comes fire and it's a problem. Watkinson said the storylines shared, quote, various destructive fire-breathing incidents, including the demolition of snowmen. But, they, the, but in the end, uh, the plot lines ended with the dragons using their breath to cook food for, food for grateful humans, yeah. as happens in 1972's The Laughing Dragon by mm. Ken Mahood, in which, a, which was a, a book that Ken Mahood was a friend of my dad's. He worked at Punch with him. I got it signed to me from Ken Mahood. And it's a story in which uh, a dragon in ancient Japan, he comes to the emperor's palace 
And uh, they love him at first, but he, whenever he laughs, he flames. And he burns things down. He eventually burns down the palace. They have to send him. The, the, the emperor bans the telling of jokes because this otherwise lovely dragon accidentally burns things. They send him to an island where he's very sad uh, and doesn't um, uh, breathe fire. And then there's a cold snap. A, a, a long a two-year winter comes to Japan. Everything's gone. They need the dragon back. They get him back. They say, a little tortoise is appointed to tell him jokes until he laughs and laughs and laughs and brings summer back to the land. And it ends with him using his fire to flame pancakes, to cook pancakes for the emperor. Exactly the same as thing, exactly the same as this. And I want that precedent, I want the John Lewis lawyers, do you hear me, to cite Ken Mahood's The Laughing Dragon because it's the same story. And what's sad is that this writer... Uh, Evans, she she thinks her dragon looks like the um, the dragon in the John Lewis ad because they're both chubby and green with little wings, like all dragons in every children's story. And it's the belief in the originality, the belief that you can get something off John Lewis mm. with the similarity of it. It's just you know. Why has this made you so annoyed? Because I think she does have a point, actually. Really? Yeah, I do. I, well, it makes me annoyed because I feel slightly sorry for Ken Mahood because this book has been overlooked, which he wrote 55 years ago. Okay. And that should be the... I don't know. I just thought that's rubbish. That's what ch- children's stories are all the same. This is not exciting at all. Although you could say it in the context of this next story because I don't think we've got much on her. What is it? The fact that the children at the King Henry VIII school mm. in... Abergavenny. Abergavenny voted to keep his name. Mm-hmm. Rather than calling it the... Abergavenny Learning Centre. It, it's oh, true. Abergavenny Learning Centre. Abergavenny Learning Centre. Where do you go to school then? Oh, I'm up to Henry VIII. <laughs> can you imagine I go to the Abergavenny Learning Centre? They don't want the word learning in there because it's triggering for them because they don't want to think about the notion they have and to And children learn, learn more on TikTok anyway. And anyway, Henry VIII, think about Henry VIII's is He was Welsh, isn't it? Wasn't he? Isn't it? Was you he? know that, you're a Welsh person. Where do you think the fucking Tudors come from? Henry the Seventh. Oh, yeah, he was Henry Welsh. VII was, was a he, Tudor. Who was the Black Prince? Wasn't he Welsh? Michael Jackson? <laughs> what are you talking about? The Black Prince was like Edward the... Oh, the Black Prince was like... And there was a The Black Prince well. was, a, was a Prince of Wales who didn't get to be king in about 1340, I think. And he wasn't black. I think he wore black armour. Mm-hmm. Um... Uh, but anyway, the point about Henry VIII, Henry VIII was a Welshman. So Henry VII was a Welshman. He invaded, took over the crown from... Um, was it a Richard III? Richard III, exactly. And um, Bosworth. Exactly, the Battle of Bosworth. <laughs> You're um, sliding into... Exactly. Accrington <laughs> <laughs> Stanley, who are they? What's that? Rebecca Vardy, you're a bitch. We're doing a tour. To be fair, Welsh people are the closest people geographically. To, Geographically. To Liverpool. No, it's Ireland. No, Ireland is a whole different kettle of fish. It really is. Isn't Liverpool quite near Wales? I don't know. Uh, well, I think when you get to North Wales, if you, when you get to North East Wales, it's probably shading into Liverpool, yeah. Yeah, who knows? Or maybe Birmingham. Who cares? Birmingham. <laughs> That's Birmingham. Nowhere near. That's in the middle, isn't That's it? That's near Wolverhampton. It's just up from Portsmouth. But look, Abergavenny. Um, the point about Abergavenny... So anyway, the, the Welsh people... So the, the, that, that was the last time they were in the Welsh people ruled England, I see. Henry VII was a Welshman and his child, Henry VIII, was a Welshman. So to a, to a Welsh person, the fact that he's a fat bigamist is neither here nor there, you see. Because he's a Welshman lording it over the English. And he's so, they, and they, so the point is they're trying to exclude, they're trying to get rid of, of Henry VIII. 
uh, from thing because you know, they got rid of Francis Drake we talked about the other week and Francis Drake our feelings at the end were yeah he was a pirate a he did pirate. profit from a lot of slavery yeah. and the Francis Drake makes it sound like a pub it does and also and in the end I'm changing my view slightly that thing about colonialism and slavery and all that because it, it didn't personally affect me mm-hmm. and I shit my pants over the Holocaust at the mid drop of the hat do, but yeah. I'm not uh, a, a black of, of Caribbean descent and or African through mm. Caribbean or America and if you're living every day and then and then these people, it's like they put massive statues and they literally... They're all saying, hooray! Hurrah, Francis again. Drake, right, he just played a bit of bowls and he just sold Africans. Yeah. So actually, fuck Francis Drake. But but Henry VIII was pre, it's pre-colonial. He didn't ever have time to do any slavery. Phew. They didn't have any of that. But he killed, he, he executed his wives and he was... Because he was in a bad mood because his legs hurt, as, because, as established. As established but, yeah. Also, we have great sympathy for him because of his obesity, which wasn't his fault. It was all the force of, fault of the multinationals selling him the junk food. Well, that's my argument in the eye paper this week, certainly. Really? So um, this no. fits into my theory that that that, gen, that younger Gen Z and Gen X are no Gen A. Uh, sorry, you're quite right, Gen A. Do you want to go again? Do you want to reveal? No, allow I ben don't. To leave that in and reveal your no. lack of grasp of the no, generations. I I, unlike you, I could not care less if people think I'm clever or not. I don't care. I'd rather people thought I was a bit thick. I honestly would. That's fine by me. I think being a bit thick is glamorous. So why did you spend the last podcast boasting about your IQ? <laughs> I know, because I wanted to show everyone that it doesn't mean anything. You'd recently discovered it was seven points higher than you'd always thought. And are you now worried about... But how much of a dimwit have I was to look at it and then like forget the number? Someone whose IQ clearly isn't as high as this reading. I think today. I should get it tested again to the other reveal thing is, the true number. Now that you know that your IQ turns out to be 142, not 135... When I was do you, seven. Do you feel that perhaps you've, you've underachieved? Do you think you were doing fine for someone with an IQ of 135? No, because I... No, yes, well, I, but for 142, you should have done more. No, but I've got a shitty attitude and I'm lazy. No, and I... And I well, they, all us clever people have. But the, the, um, the, an IQ of 135 probably means... Puts you in a sort of one in 500. But an IQ of 142 is going to make you about one in 300. I mean, you're, you're quite a lot more special. You move up the ranks. Is it okay that you're not doing as well as... I don't know who, Basically anyone else. Um, there was a really good episode of 30 Rock where Jenna Mulroney um, starts a rumour that she's 50. <laughs> <laughs> Why? So that everyone's like, oh my God, she looks so incredibly young. So I see what, you, I see what you're saying, yeah. But people don't know your IQ. Well, they do now, because I've told everyone all day, yeah. no one cares. But I, don't, I, I personally don't think, I think you've sort of set your parameters around a kind of 135 ballpark area where being a sort of down desk features hack and occasional podcaster is enough. Well, Whereas at 142, listen, you should probably maybe take charge of the family investments now that you understand. Yeah, but, but that's not fun. It's not about fun. Well, what is it about? It's about intellectual rigour. <laughs> You've been listening to Giles Corrin Has No Idea with me, Giles Corrin. And me, Esther Walker. It's a wireless studios production for The Times, produced by Ben Mitchell. You can listen to us on The Times radio app or download from wherever you get your podcasts. <laughs>